Holly G with the Golf Insiders with Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. Well, Dustin Johnson, he's been a little bit of an enigma in this on again, off again, 2019, 2020 season, Bob, but huge win Sunday at the Northern Trust and DJ reclaims number one in the world. Your thoughts on his performance? He, uh, you said enigma. That's a good way to describe it because he won at the Travelers, which was the third event, and then what? Like a couple weeks later, he shoots a couple of eighties at the Memorial uh, and misses the cut. Eighty eighty was like dead last, and then the, then the next tournament, which was the three M. He was over par, and he decided to withdraw because his back was bothering him. And then he's in contention to win the PGA Championship two weeks later, and now he shoots 30 under par and probably should have broke 60. Um, you know, I mean, I think most of us know we can probably improve 20 shots on our game, <laughs> but not but not from 80. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Um, he is, uh, as, they, as they often say, a special player. And somebody, sure is. I mean, yeah, somebody yeah, I mean, that has know. that firepower uh, that when, you know, he gets hot, he's got that, you know, Tiger-esque ability, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got unbelievable ability. You know, it makes, um, it makes you, it, it, it makes you wonder why it doesn't happen more often, I guess. Um, but, uh, um, but on the other hand, you know, he's won 22 times now. You know, that's an incredible career in itself, and he's got a long time to go. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he uh, in fact, you know, that tied Raymond Floyd for wins on tour. It's, you know, Raymond Floyd's in the Hall of Fame, you know, easily. And, uh, you know, only Tiger and Phil have, among after players, have won more than him. Uh, you know, I think we'd like to see him win another major or two or three, you know, and, and, and that's maybe the perplexing um, thing about his career. He's got the but, opposite uh, mojo of Brooks Kepka. It's yeah. like he can pack up the wins on tour, but he doesn't have quite the major resume. Do you think that's why he doesn't get quite the respect, it seems? Maybe. I mean, you know, look, I, I think I think they both deserve a lot of respect for what they've done on their own. You know, um, uh, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, would we like to have seen Brooks win more than seven? Sure. But four majors is unbelievable. Yes. You know, so there's no, you know, there's just, you can't, you, like, the people that want to knock his regular career, I just have a hard time doing that. I mean, four, you know, four majors. I mean, Tom Lehman won five times total, including a major. You know, Brooks Kepka has four majors. Then you got, then you look at DJ. Okay, he's only got the one major. We know of all the chances he's had. You know, the three-part of Chambers Bay and and the, uh, you know, grounding the club in a hazard at uh, – Whistling Straits, and you know the Pebble Beach U.S. Open ten years ago. You know he had chances, but you know he still won twenty-two times. He's won like what five or six WGCs. He's won four or five playoff events. He's won big tournaments. 
you know, so um, it's hard to quibble with that, too. And when he's on, like he was this past week, he just makes it seem so easy. You know, even yeah. Tiger, you know, always seemed like he was grinding, pressing, you know. And DJ, boy, he just, I don't know what that, uh, you know, that inner voice says to him inside, but he is, uh, you know, cool hand Luke out on the golf course in those moments. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, he does. He makes it look so easy at times. And um, I, I think a lot of players have actually said that, that, that when he's got it going, um, you know, nobody can touch him. And, you know, we've seen some incredible performances from him. You know, I bet you deep down, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know if DJ thinks this way, but you think he's got to be thinking to himself, you know, why couldn't I put some of this together just two weeks ago, you know, in that final day? Uh, obviously, a much different golf course and more, more difficult. Uh, but, uh, you know, he shot 68 in the final round of the major and didn't win. There's really no shame in that. But, um, you know, he had a couple shot lead going into the final round, wasn't able to, to get it. And, you know, I, you know, you wonder if he wonders uh, what the deal is there. Uh, well, you know, you mentioned Raymond Floyd. And one thing I noticed about DJ, um, even on Sunday with, you know, a fairly comfortable lead, he had a little bit of look of Raymond. His eyes, you know, pretty intense. You know, he and uh, his brother, you know, really um, analyzing some of those putts. Um, you know, I mean, it's he definitely goes into another gear. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I think you know he's 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 underrated in some parts of his game. I mean, he. He's really dialed in his wedges. That was a big thing a few years ago. He hit it so far, but then didn't hit it close enough. Um, he's got that fade working off the tee. You know, he hits a pretty good number of fairways for a guy who hits it so far. He's not, you know, he's not a, you know, terribly inaccurate. And that's a pretty deadly combination, you know. And, and you know, if there's anything that holds him back, it's putting. And, you know, obviously he had a good putting week. I mean, to be 11 under through 11 holes last uh, Friday, he's got to be putting pretty darn well. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so, you know, he put it, he put it all together. Now, you know, that golf course allowed for some decent scoring, but I would still say when you win by 11, uh, you know, come on, it, it's, it's not all about the golf course being easy. It's about a guy just, you know, manhandling it. Pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. Very, very impressive. Um, a guy who uh, made a huge jump. We were talking about it before uh, we started our, our podcast. Harris English finishing second, jumps 21 spots, and now uh, is sitting inside the, what, top 15, I think, um, on, on the FedEx Cup. Sandy? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, it shows you how one good week can really help you out. Uh, you know, to jump way up there. Now he's assured of the Tour Championship. Um, you know, this is a guy who a year ago was at the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, which meant that he didn't keep his card and he wasn't 
you know, a fully exempt player until he, you know, regained some status through that avenue. And, but, you know, to get to the Tour Championship means you're going to get in the Masters, the U.S. Open, and and the Open. And you put yourself in great shape for the PGA Championship. It's huge. It's huge getting to the Tour Championship. And, you know, he's taking care of that. And now, you know, he can he, he sort of can freewheel it here. Uh, you know, he, if he can have another good week this week, he's going to he's going to be within striking distance next week and trying to win the tour championship. So uh, great turnaround for him. Guy who is red hot, who had another great finish, third place, Daniel Berger. You've got an interesting story on ESPN.com about the fact that he's not going to make it to the Masters based on the fact that they cut off the the uh, qualifying what back in March. Yeah, you know when they re- when they announced their um, their their uh, new date for November. This was uh, on on the Monday of what was going to be Masters Week in April was a huge day in golf, and that basically the entire schedule was reset. Um, you know they redid the we, they did they redid the majors. We knew the PGA, the U.S. Open, and the Masters, and then the tour schedule came soon after. And But the Masters, you know, said, basically, our field for 2020 is set. We are going by the latest world ranking for the top 50 qualification. And the only other ways you had to get in were by winning a tournament, which there weren't going to be any. You know, there weren't going to be any before where they set the deadline at. And frankly, you know, there would have only been four more tournaments for a guy to have a chance to win anyway. You know, the Players' Championship wasn't played, Valspar wasn't played, the Match Play, and the Valero Texas Open. Those are the four events that would have been before the Masters. There was really only two more weeks after the Players to get into the top 50. That would have been after the Match Play. Berger, at the, at the time of, of the um, Players' Championship, was 160 in the world. So he really wasn't close to the top 50. Now, he had a chance. He, he, he was in the top 10 after the one, one round of the players. You know, so maybe if he, you know, what if he won? Or what if he finished top five? You know, he jumped way up and gets into match play and has a chance to get in the top 50. But they, there was, I don't know that there was a way for them to do it fairly. Because where do they, where do they do, draw the top 50 line? You know, I mean, maybe they could have waited. But uh, they also they already had 96 in the field. They don't like going over 100. We're going to have an hour and a half less of daylight in November. They're already looking at three uh, a two tee start. Uh, you know, with probably with threesomes. So you know they made their decision. Those were the rules. And the way they're looking at it, and the way we all need to look at it, is if anything that has started post shutdown would have been after the original Masters and would have all been towards 2021 anyway. You know, so, and and, and you're still going to have two majors that help you qualify for the 2021 Masters as well as the FedEx Cup, the the, the top 30. Uh, And then you still have the top 50 ranking at the end of the year, which is another way to get in. So all of that stuff is still in place and you just have to look at it like the Masters already took place. They just moved it, and 
And, and you know, I, I, I used the example of in 2001 when the Ryder Cup was postponed because of 9-11, only like two weeks before. They only they, they felt the only fair way to do it when they rescheduled it for a year later was to keep the teams intact. You know, like how you, what these guys had already made the team, they put them going. Right now, we're gonna redo it. We're gonna redo it. Well, you know, there was I can't think of them off the top of my head, but there were clearly examples of guys who were very hot in 2002 who might have been either on either of those teams and they weren't. Yes. You know, it was it was unfortunate. I mean, it was a, you know. But, you know, again, what, what we're dealing with here is so unprecedented that uh, yeah, you just have to roll with it. You know, there's just so many things like that. Well, as you pointed out, the silver lining is that sometime around the holiday season, he'll be getting his invitation to the 2021 Masters. So, um, you know, uh, yes, he has to wait, but he won't have to wait quite so long, um, given <laughs> right. that uh, we're coming right around the corner with a with another uh, another major so speaking around around the corner tomorrow morning we begin the bmw championship in your um neck of the woods your homeland of chicago so tell us a little bit about olympia fields and um, what we should be looking for in terms of play and how the course might favor certain players yeah, you know, it's it's nice that they're going to a place like that. Uh, you know, back in the day, the old Western Open, um, which is now the BMW, used to go back to the like the early to mid-60s, used to rotate around courses in Chicago. And Olympia Field was one of them. Like, uh, uh, Jack Nicklaus won a Western Open there, I think, in like 1968, and Bruce Crampton won the last one that had been played there, which was 71. And then a couple of years later, they went to Butler National, which became their permanent home until Cog Hill. And then, you know, when they became the BMW, they decided to start moving it around to different places in the country, uh, not just in Chicago. But Olympia Fields, you know, it's, it goes way back. Like Walter Hagen won a Western Open there in the 20s. And I believe it's hosted four or five U.S. Opens, the last one being the one that Jim Furyk won in 2003. Right. Um, you know, they got a little bit of a bad rap that year because the scoring was pretty low. At the time, Furyk tied the U.S. Open scoring record of 272, uh, which is eight under par on that course. But the 272, the raw score, that has since been beat. And V.J. Singh shot 63 in the, I believe it was the second round, and at that time, it was only the fourth 63 ever shot in U.S. Open, and there hadn't been one since 1980. Wow. So, like, you know, whenever there's a low score, all of a sudden, oh. Everybody freaks out. Right. But, you know, Furyk was eight under, but only four guys finished under par, mm. you know? And so it wasn't as easy as people made it out to be. And hearing the comments of some of the players today, including Tiger, who said, this is much more like a U.S. Open venue than a tour venue. You know, now, does that mean that it's going to be par the winning school? I, I doubt it. I'm thinking 8 or 10 under, 12 under could win probably. Does that mean but they're going to have some heavy rough, Bob? Yeah, I think so. And I think the greens are pretty firm. And, you know, um, you know, it's not particularly short. Uh, I believe it's par 70, like 7,300 yards. So, uh, you know, it's nothing. It's, it's not a 
not a shortstop, of course, it's tree-lined. You know, that means, you know, you, you gotta, you got to keep it in play. So uh, I think uh, I, I think it's going to be a great test. I, uh, it, it's fun to see that tournament move around. Uh, I wish the Tour Championship would do the same thing. I think that, you know, that brings some intrigue to it. You know, you just don't know exactly what's going to happen because you don't know how the course is going to set up for these guys. Right. Yep. I, I agree. So, um, you know, you're the, you're the main man on Tiger Watch. Uh, obviously, he needs uh, a big week to advance to the Tour Championship. Uh, what are you hearing? What's Tiger got to do? Well, he's to have the, the, the minimum he needs to do to earn enough points to get in the top 30 is sixth place. But even that might not do it because everybody's going to earn points this week. Right. Uh, and so the 30th place guy is Billy Horschel. So, like, you know, if Billy were to go in reverse, you know, Tiger might pass him. But then there's other guys that could get up there. So it's hard to say exactly. But fourth place seems pretty reasonable that if he, if he finished fourth, there's enough points to push him high enough up to be in the top 30. You know, I would think third place alone would be a lock. Uh, but um, it's, it's a tall order for a guy who, you know, he really has not been in contention on, on the weekend in the, in the three tournaments he's played since he's come back. Uh, you know, he's, he's really been sort of on the cut line on, on Friday, you know, or, or just, you know, just barely above it, struggling. You know, he's starting you know, on Saturday mornings. You know, so are, are we going to expect him to all of a sudden contend this week? Now, maybe the the the, uh, the rounds he got in, uh, the uh, you know the, the work he's gotten in here lately is, is, is gets him on a bit of a roll. He had a really nice final round Sunday, shot 66, the best of the year. You know, finally, finally, you know, he had 16 of 18 greens. Uh, needs more putts to drop, and he needs his short game to be sharper. Uh, you know, is there enough time for that to happen? You know, we'll see. But I think this is a good test for him either way. I mean, it's it's more of what the U.S. Open will be like in a couple of weeks, you think. You know, we're going to require him to hit it in the fairway, be good around the greens, you know, make a bunch of four, five, six-footers for par. And uh, so I, I think in that regard, it's good. I mean, the way last week worked out was not good. Uh, you know, to have to sit there and make six or eight or nine birdies around is it's hard for him to do at this point. How many guys um, should feel, well, I don't know that safe's the right word, but feel like they're in the driver's seat to determine uh, their destiny for the FedEx Cup? How deep? It's pretty, it's pretty much the top 20 are are pretty secure and really through 22 23 a lot of crazy things would have to happen for them to not make it you know like it would be them finishing 68 67th and a slew of guys from behind you know having high finishes so um you know pretty much i'd say 20 through 23 are safe you know, there's, there's the chance, and, and also this year, because of the pandemic, they actually lowered the number of points in the playoff events because of the shortened season from four times to three times. So there's less, there's less volatility. Instead of 
2,000 points for the winner. It's only 1,500 and all the way down. Right. So there's less chance for movement, you know. So, I mean, even the top 25 might be safe. You know, it's going to it's going to require a lot of people to, you know, to finish up their high, you know, and, and the odds of that are unlikely. You figure that people above them in the top 25 are going to, are going to do well and, and, and take up those, some of those points too. I mean, it's a lot, you know, when you look at it, it's a matter of who's getting the points, you know, if you, you, if you're trying to get up there, you're trying to get as many points as you can, but the guys you're trying to chase are the ones who need to be earning less points. And if somebody like a you know Justin Johnson or Justin Thomas, who's already way ahead of you, earns those points at the expense of somebody you're fighting with, that's actually good for you. So um, uh, anyway, we'll see. But uh, you know, still a lot on the line. Getting in the top thirty is a big deal, a big perk for these guys. That's right. And uh, for my listeners, if you want to really dig deep into the details on how the playoff format works, you can go to PGATour.com because I still have to have uh, four whiteboards and uh, a whole my laptop and a whole bunch of things to number crunch, Bob, to, to figure this out. But most importantly, I want you to take out your Ouija board and tell me who are you picking to win this weekend at the BMW Championship. You've been on a roll here. You know, yeah, well, I didn't pick DJ last week, but I've had some guys do well. Um, I'm going to go with Billy Horschel, who's 30th. Whoa! You know, he's, he, he's had a bunch of good tournaments, good finishes. Um, I think a, a course like this, a guy who hits fairways and makes putts is, is good for him. Uh, we're talking, the, you know, six years now since he won the FedEx Cup. Yeah. But, uh, you know, um, I, uh, I just, just have a good feeling about him that he's going to have a good week. Billy Ho. Well, I think that's quite, uh, quite an interesting pick. But um, he, does, <laughs> he is one of those guys that feels some magic. As we remember, he went back-to-back uh, -back and won the FedEx Cup. So he's been trending in the right direction. And... You know, this time of year, so fun. It's going to be fun all the way through November. So much pressure on these guys when they're coming down the last few holes on Sunday to make those putts to get into the Tour Championship. So great stuff, Bob. Thank you so much. Check out all of his stories on ESPN.com. We appreciate it. Thanks very much.